Match to Burn Down the Big Ten, episode seven, I believe it is. Is that right, Ben? Seven? I think yeah, so. Seven. Sounds right yeah, to me. We're lucky number seven. It's close All enough. Right. It took seven shows to get <laughs> to this point where we actually know what's going on. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for coming. Uh, we we appreciate your listening. It was a, uh, eh, I don't know, I don't know about an interesting weekend in the Big Ten, but uh, we've we've sleepy weekend. Yes. There's a sleepy early fall weekend in the I Big Ten. I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, just running down the scores here real quick for those of you that are not tuned in. Uh, Indiana beat Rutgers 35 nothing, which uh, I believe Elias Sports Bureau said Rutgers became the first team, and I think. 25 26 years to lose their first uh three or four conference games by 30 or more points uh which is shocking there, something indiana's also done twice but not since the <laughs> there are so many fun rutgers stats my favorite is that they lead the big 10 in shutouts since 2000 uh, with like being shut out uh, with 10 and they've been in the conference for five years yep that was a That's great, extremely good, great get for Jim Delaney. One, yeah, one passing yard against Indiana, oh a my. solitary yard. Oh my! Which I think is more embarrassing than no passing yards or even negative passing yards. Like one has to be the most embarrassing number. I mean, I, I'd be careful looking at a Rutgers box score, man. That could do permanent damage <laughs> to your eyes. Um, anywho, Purdue blew out Maryland forty to fourteen. So any of that early. Maryland might actually be pretty good narrative that we were running with mainly early in the season. Yeah. I mean, that's if you're going to give up 40 to Purdue, you better score 40 right back. And for them to only put up 14, that's that team is uh belly up. Yes. Dead on arrival. Uh, Michigan, Illinois was very, very entertaining for about three quarters or really two quarters, depending on your perspective. Not the first quarter. Michigan <laughs> raced out to a 28, nothing lead and then gave up. 25 unanswered to a Lovey Smith offense that did not start Brandon Peters to my chagrin, but I I was really hoping Illinois was going to be able to pull off what was going to be one of the funnier comebacks in recent memory, and uh, unfortunately they fumbled their way out of the game towards the latter stages, but not a good win for Michigan by any means. No, they found a way to make that one really embarrassing. Congratulations. Exactly. Good stuff, Michigan. Yep. Uh, Minnesota blew out Nebraska 34-7. There were a few people that were a little optimistic that Nebraska was going to bounce back. Yeah, uh, and that clearly just straight up not happening not to that team. Nope. Nope. Scott Frost, what are you doing? Yeah, man? and like Minnesota's uh, bad, and they're undefeated, but they're bad, and to get yeah. just wiped out like that. Ugh. Yeah, maybe one of the worst undefeated teams through what is it, seven or eight weeks? Eight weeks, I think, in college football history. Uh, but they well, they play, I think, Rutgers this weekend. But they they start to get. Oh my God, they play Rutgers and then they play Maryland. Yeah. So they're they're going to be undefeated by the time they get it's to insane. November. That's that's unbelievable. And they're awful. Yeah. This is like my favorite Big Ten West trope that shows up every single year. Is there's just some dog shit team who backs into ten wins, and it's going to be Minnesota, and it might be like their first ten games of the year. Like how exciting. How wonderful. That's Looney Tunes. They're not, and they're playing at Rutgers and uh, yeah, Maryland after that. So they're, 
they're not going anywhere for a little bit. That's so yeah. bad. It's just uh, not right. And the two games we're going to debrief <laughs> you on today, uh, Wisconsin-Michigan State, that was a 38 nothing route. Wisconsin got their fourth shutout of the year, which is just absolutely insane by modern college football standards. I don't know about frightening because Michigan State, I'm going to go through the not the whole play-by-play, but just give you a glimpse of what Michigan State did for pretty much the entire game. And it was, uh, I think there was one drive during the third quarter. They went, they needed 12 plays to go 39 yards, and then they punted. So they, I mean, they had nothing going for them all afternoon. And frankly, I'm a little embarrassed Ohio State gave up 10 points to them um, based on that performance. But we'll yeah. get into that later. And then, of course, was the Big Ten game of the week last week, which was Penn State, Iowa. Ben and I were both more conservative on what we thought the final score was going to be relative to uh, the geniuses in Vegas. And Penn State closed that out <laughs> with a 17-12 to victory. And frankly, Iowa probably shouldn't have gotten uh, a touchdown at the end. They had that guy made an incredible circus catch with about two and a half minutes left. Yeah, they were very close to having their second straight game where they were only able to post field goals. So we're going to get into that. Uh, let's start with let's just start with Penn State Iowa. We'll put it right there. So regarding yeah. Penn State, because I know I just threw a ton of shade at Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you encouraged, discouraged, yes. or just kind of like whatever by the fact that they only put up 17 or just their general performance overall? So there's there's kind of two ways to, to look at it. First of all, Noah Kane is a freaking player, yeah. a freshman running back for them. I mean, he's an absolute stud. Um, him and KJ Hamler are a really fun oh, duo yes. to watch on that side of the ball. So, you know, obviously only scoring 17 points – is not good and yeah sure it's on the road and it's iowa but you know there's a lot to be fairly dissatisfied about that but my like big galactic brain way to think about this game is you know ultimately penn state season comes down to can they beat ohio state and ultimately the way that you beat ohio state is just by choking the life out of the game right making it really short trying to play ball control Um, and trying to win on the margins. And the fact that it seems like Penn State can kind of do that is probably a good sign, right? Like, you know, there's so much that undoubtedly went with them in this game, but they were able to have a relatively high success rate despite not really getting a bunch of chunk plays. So they can string out some long drives. They can, you know, ground and pound. And that defense really, truly is legit. So that's kind of a silver lining of a dark cloud, I guess. You know, on balance, this is not a performance that, you know, you go home and show mom. But I, I feel like there's enough here that, you know, there's there's something to at least glean from well, it. That's I think positive. that in terms of how, you know, their season, it pretty much rides on beating Ohio State at this point. If they want to actually vault themselves into, to, you know, college football playoff contention conversation. I think that the best way Mm -hmm. that you do that in terms of beating Ohio state is you've got to have a good pass rush. And uh, it's like you said, you have to, you have to be able to choke the life out of the game, but I think you also need the playmakers in order to compete and, you know, trade blows and put up points Mm -hmm. and, you know, come out and punch them in the mouth early. Uh, KJ Handler is obviously a player that can do that. Uh, Noah Kane definitely surprised a lot of people. I think this past weekend with the performance against Iowa. Uh, But I will say this, they only had two sacks 
And that's coming off a game where yep. I, I lost count of how many sacks Iowa's turnstile offensive line gave up to the Michigan defense the week prior. So I do think, and that's a mm-hmm. two sacks is especially concerning when factoring in that uh, Nate Stanley threw 43 passes on uh, Saturday. So I would think that with yeah a lot of yeah, with all those dropbacks, you'd like to see them get to the quarterback a little bit more than they did. So, I mean, they're they're going to be able to stop the run. They've proven that beyond a shadow of a doubt um, throughout this season and again against Iowa. Uh, but are they going to be able to get after the quarterback? I- Iowa does not want to throw the ball 43 times a game. They were not playing a game that they were comfortable with, and I can't imagine the offensive line was comfortable with the way that uh, momentum of the game was going either. So the fact that they only got two sacks makes me a little bit concerned with how their pass rush is going to go when you know they start uh, competing with these other ranked teams. They're going to get Michigan on uh, uh, this weekend, and we'll preview that game later on in the show. But um, you know, I I'm a little bit discouraged by that. Uh, Sean Clifford only threw for 117 yards, which I thought was yeah, a little disappointing. Um, but, you know, they, they can run the ball, which, you know, it's like John Madden once said, you cannot win if you cannot run. And they could definitely do that. <laughs> Clifford's got a little spring in his step. I'm a little surprised he carried the ball 16 times in this game. But, you know, it's yeah. whatever you got to do to win. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of met because there's things that – are good that you can take away from Penn State from this game, but there's also things that you look and you're like, yeah, they probably should have done a little bit better. But yeah, but, you know, ultimately, certainly like your thinking on Penn State as a team coming out of that game is just about unchanged as it was going in. I mean, it's not like they made themselves out to be significantly worse than you thought. It's just absolutely that, not. Yeah, it's just that this is a, a really good team, probably not a great team certainly not a team that can match Ohio State throughout a whole season. Um, But, you know, just enough there to keep your eyes on that one matchup. And the good news for Penn State, you touched that Clifford had a bad game. He's probably not going to play many games that are that much worse, at least throwing the ball. So, you know, you put this one away and assume that he'll uh, progress to the mean. And you've got that going for you. But, you know, I'm not as worried about, like, the lack of havoc plays on defense. I feel like you have to give Iowa at least a little bit of credit there. You know, it's not like Iowa's a team that is doing a whole lot of seven-step drops and, you know, letting Nate Stanley air it out all over the field. I'm sure that they probably wanted to get their hands on a couple more passes. Um, but it's going to be it's gonna be a completely different animal when they play Ohio State just because, you know, you know Iowa's a very – old school team and a team that's ultimately not a great litmus test for the best teams in the country, which Ohio state is, but I don't know if you feel the same way. I feel pretty confident that Penn state is head and shoulders above the rest of the East for sure. Other than Ohio state. Um, and kind of on that Wisconsin level of teams where they're really, really good. You know, do they have enough to really scare Ohio state? Probably not, but I think it's a really, really good team in Penn State. I would say Wisconsin is probably closer to Ohio State than they are to Penn State if we're going to be, you know, ranking yeah, all the fair. Big Ten teams together. But, you know, Clifford, I know we we praised him a lot last week. I, I don't want to, you know, make it sound like he did, you know, something egregiously terrible that put this game in jeopardy because I think, I think he's very comfortable in a game management role. 
Um, and that's kind of what he had to do in this game. He completed 50% of his passes, which isn't great, but, you know, he didn't turn the ball over. Uh, and sometimes that's, you know, just enough to get you a victory. Question is, is he going to be able to raise his game against the tough opponents? And we'll get kind of an inkling of that when they play Michigan this weekend, who I think uh, is comparable to Iowa. But certainly I think you would say there's more talent and at least a should be higher ceiling there for what Michigan can play and probably should look like versus Iowa. You know, it's going to you know what you're getting with them. It's going to be a very much, you know, try to control the pace of the game, you know, strangle the other team out. I mean, I think next week's going to look really similar to this week. I think in a lot of ways, I think that Michigan is a pretty good parallel to Iowa this year. Maybe they're a little bit looser with the ball. I know Stanley had turnover. Was it a couple games ago where Stanley was just giving the ball to the other team the whole game? Um, uh, well, they were playing Michigan in that game. I'm not. I think he was just taking a lot of sacks. Yeah. I, I can't recall if he was turning it over a lot against yeah. Michigan, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. So I, I do think you know. I mean, what a great scout team for Michigan to go play Iowa. I mean, it's going to be a, a similar final score. I think ultimately it's going to be a very very low scoring game. And you know, if Penn State can do what they did in this game, just grind it out and don't give the ball over, they're going to be just fine. Yeah, well, we'll get more to that game later. But uh, let's quickly about Iowa. Do you still think that this is a team that – well, before we get yeah. into that, first of all, those those freaking banana suits that Iowa played in <laughs> were maybe one of the worst uniforms I've ever – ever seen and I, the fact yeah. that i had to watch a yellow on yellow uni against a white on white uni in a primetime matchup on abc I, it good. was so bad i could i could not wait to change the channel back to florida lsu on saturday night because my god yeah. those uniforms were so you have a beautiful i mean there's so many college football teams that have unnecessary black alternate uniforms like ohio state but iowa one of their main colors is black and their home uniforms look pretty damn good i don't know why you would ever want to deviate from that but god don't ever put those yellow uniforms on my tv yeah the big ten west has like serious problems with alternative jerseys and even just like straight road jerseys like illinois road jerseys awful and then nebraska wore those jerseys not that long ago that were just completely hideous like someone's got to have a sit down with jim delaney and get that figured out because this can't stand well I mean, we know the the Midwestern Prairie is obviously a fashion cradle of the United <laughs> States. So go figure. It's a long way from Iowa so City to Fashion Week in New York City, I guess. Right, <laughs> right. Even longer yeah. from Milan. Anyway, uh, I so Iowa. Uh, do we still think that this is a team? I picked them to win yep. the Big Ten West. Uh, this was obviously before Wisconsin yeah. announced to the world that they're going to be the Big Ten West overlords this season, but. They still have to play Wisconsin. Uh, by my count, I don't believe that even though they've lost both of their uh, cross-conference matchups, I still don't believe that they've lost a Big Ten West game. So they're still technically in contention, but is this a team that we're seriously considering as a threat to Wisconsin for the Big Ten West So they've played now? three games against good defenses, right? You know, pull out Miami of Ohio, pull out Rutgers, pull out uh, Middle Tennessee State. They've played three games against good defenses. They scored 18 points against Iowa State. They scored three points against Michigan. They scored 12 points against Penn State. Does that sound to you like a team that can score points against Wisconsin? 
Doesn't sound like that to me. Uh, not necessarily. And there's a huge no. gulf between Wisconsin and the rest. And I think Iowa is very well suited to go and get their teeth kicked in by Wisconsin. I mean, if you can't score, Wisconsin's going to make you feel it. They're going to make you feel it physically. I mean, that's just not a fun place to go three and out very often. Um, Iowa can't mash Wisconsin. They can't. I mean, there's a chance that they get lucky, they get crazy hot one day. But no, this is truly Wisconsin's to lose at this point. Yeah, I mean, when I was watching the Penn State game this last weekend, it felt like the only time that Iowa was actually able to move the ball effectively when they weren't running. And even they even had trouble running on uh, mm-hmm. Saturday night. But if they weren't getting jump balls, they weren't getting the ball down the field, period. And that, I think, is what put them in a hole. Um, they went up three nothing in the early stages of the game, but you know they've, I think they've had some red zone issues this year too as well. And if you can't successfully convert your opportunities yeah. into touchdowns, you're not going to be able to hang with the elite. And field goals aren't going to cut it against a team like Wisconsin that is going to be able to effectively control the script of I think pretty much every game they play in before um, you know they have to go outside of the Big Ten. Uh, we'll see how the Ohio State game goes uh, in November. It's still a few weeks off, but I think that they're pretty effectively going to be a team that is always in control of the game script. And if that is the case when they play Iowa, there's just no chance for the Hawkeyes to be able to pull off any kind of upset. And if that happens, they can kiss the Big Ten West goodbye. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think that it's more likely that uh, every other team in the Big Ten West has three losses uh, than it is that Wisconsin even has two. Like, right. there's just such a, such a gap. And Wisconsin has such a lead at this point, you know, throwing Minnesota out because they're Minnesota. It's hard to imagine that things can, you know, barring injury, basically, that Wisconsin can give this up. I mean, they've got two hands on the Big Ten West title at this point. I would agree. Well, let's talk about Wisconsin. Yes. Um, they played God. Michigan State. Uh, at the end of our show last weekend, yeah. you thought that Whoops. Michigan State-Wisconsin game was going to be sneaky Whoops. competitive. And I, I was not encouraged by the Spartans' mm. offense that they were going to be able to make that happen. And yeah. uh, I'll be honest, though, I don't think any of us saw a shutout Golly. coming. Uh, that was pretty, pretty... Shocking. Yeah, I mean it's uh, what we frankly. said. It's That's the right word. You know, it's what we said all year that <laughs> Michigan State is just wet ass on offense. Like they have, <laughs> they have absolutely nothing going. And every once in a while, you're able to talk yourself into it. Like, ooh, maybe this is the week where the playmakers show up and the defense keeps them in it. And then it's just. What playmakers? They've got some players at wideout. Like that Stewart kid can go and get it. I think he's a good player. He. he- he drops the ball too much. Yeah. He, I think he had like three or four drops against Ohio State. And he, I mean, he, he just had garbage time yards, I think, in this yeah, game. I mean, he really wasn't Everyone doing that had garbage much. time yards in this game. Those are the only yards to be found were yeah. in garbage time. But yeah, I mean, that's fair. Golly, this is an embarrassing, embarrassing game for Michigan State. More, more than anything else, I think. You know, Wisconsin's great, and this is a phenomenal performance because I, I do think that there's some parts about Michigan State that are still pretty scary um, but to just pull their teeth out I mean it was just complete one-way traffic they just completely nerfed Michigan State on both sides of the ball um, you know credit to Wisconsin but man it's just wow what can you say about this for Michigan State 
Like this is a, a team that basically committed to their offensive coaching staff and you'll, you do this. I mean, there's, where do you go from here? Truly where on earth can you go at this point? So I wanted to run through the play by play real quick, just to give you an idea of how bad it is. And here's what it was. First drive, three plays, eight yards, punt. Second drive, three plays, five yards, punt. Third drive, six plays, 13 yards, punt. Fourth drive, three plays, six yards, punt. Fifth drive, three plays, six yards, punt. That was every single drive they had in the first half. To their credit, I was frankly, I was shocked that this game ended 38-0, but Wisconsin uh, didn't score in the third quarter and the game was 17 nothing at half so michigan state was at least reasonably in it right for a lot of this and then you had that unbelievable drive to start the third quarter for michigan state 12 plays 39 yards and a punt they had the ball for seven minutes six seconds <laughs> and they punted it away that is i don't know if i've ever seen anything like that any drive yeah. that goes for more than 10 plays usually ends in the red zone. 12 plays, 39 yards is almost unheard of. That's crazy. Wisconsin had the ball for the rest of the third quarter then, and they went up 24 nothing with a touchdown uh, at the beginning of the fourth. Then uh, Lewerke threw the pick six. They went up 31 nothing, and Wisconsin got another touchdown later on in the quarter on their first play drive, uh, six yards on what I believe was an end around. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they had, you know, mm-hmm. the 12 play 39 yard punt, then the pick six, five plays, four yards punt after the pick six, another three and out after that, where they got no yards at all. And then another three and out after that. And then on their final drive, they threw another pick seven plays, 37 yards. I mean, they, they didn't have a single drive over 40 yards the entire game. That's just absolutely yeah. abhorrent. There's, there's nothing there. I mean, there's truly nothing there on offense. And I think that a lot of it is undoubtedly scheme. Some of it is that they have just bad football players on that side of the ball. But, I mean, that's a level of destruction that is beyond, like, a, a normal bad team doesn't get run out like that. I mean, that's, we, we've entered into, like, a next stage of suck when the vast majority of your drives are ending in three and outs or, you know, you're going backwards, like there's, you, you got to burn it down. You got to burn it down and start That's over the only way forward. Uh, I, you know, I was not aware until uh, <laughs> after this game, actually, that what D'Antonio, I, I knew they had committed to the offensive step that they had last year. What I didn't realize was he basically went Dr. Frankenstein and, demoted like two coaches down promoted yeah, i think the musical quarterback's coach the offensive coordinator and then demoted his assistant head coach to i believe the hybrid tight ends offensive no d'antonio is just making shit up for his assistants at this point i mean it's like how go ahead yeah no like it's <laughs> you just can't do that like, what the hell are you thinking no. <laughs> if that's it's your solution so you don't have a solution like isn't that obvious that's and yet you gotta wait with it so you let him do it because at this point i mean uh, like i said their slate doesn't get any easier for them i don't think uh looks like they're on by this week which you know they they really need it so they'll lose that game <laughs> They'll find it. They'll score zero for sure. Um, uh, what are, who are they playing after that? Um, they come back. 26th. So then they get Penn State at yeah. home. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, that'll be Which a is a loss. loss. Then they'll play Illinois and they'll win. And then it's at Michigan, at Rutgers, home against Maryland on the way through. Oh, man. I mean... So, like, they'll get to six because they have to. Like, there's no way you don't get to six with the schedule that they have this year. But, man, oh, man, oh, man. Like, if, if this team comes back with one coach remaining on that offensive coaching staff, they've lost the plot. Yeah. I mean, there's no longer any excuse for this team continuing with what they've been trying to do because it's just straight up not working. I don't know, man. I, I know that I, we, you know, punted on Maryland finally, but I there's something that tells me that they could end up winning that game at the end of the year, 7-3, to three, if all those players are checked out. And that well, yeah. I think that puts D'Antonio in a very interesting position if they finish their year 5-7 and seven without a bowl trip. No, see, but that's still six. If you get it Illinois is? and Rutgers, you're at six. Really? Oh, yeah. So you don't have to be Maryland. Okay. Well, I did. This is. I don't know, Matt. This is why, why playing ben went to Western Michigan and, and Northwestern is a good thing. It helps out. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, uh, do we think Wisconsin's going to shut anyone else out this year? <laughs> Ooh. Well, surely. Uh, let's take a look. So. You could do it next week. <laughs> really playing next week. Uh, Illinois on the road. Yeah. Uh, so that's. I think all their shutouts. That have one been on a shutout watch. Other like, than that's the tough. South Florida game. Yeah. So I, that one's definitely on shutout watch. Um, that one's probably the last good chance, though. Yeah. Like I was. I don't know. I'd be surprised I, I if they shut out. I would say I was the best chance, actually. Mm. Just based yeah. on what we saw this past weekend. I mean, they're yes. playing them at home. Yeah, that's also true. I think they're going to get two more chances. Maybe call would, one and a half. Between be Illinois, Iowa, and Minnesota. I mean, there's a, we will at least get a look at at least one more shutout. And they'll probably have a half shot at two. How, how frightening. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would love to know what the team. modern shutout record in a single season is because I know that there was some streak, I think, in the late 30s where Tennessee had 17 consecutive shutout <laughs> uh, games in a row, which is just insane. Yeah. Not victories, though, because it looked, apparently there were two games that ended 0-0. But yep. 17 consecutive shutouts, nonetheless, is insane. Uh, but I, I don't know. Just, I mean, four already through like half of the season just seems astronomically high. So if they were able to get six. Yeah, if they like shut out half their opponents. Like. Yeah. I That's not a team. If I'm Ohio State, that's not a team I want to have to play twice that has recorded six shutouts in no. uh, conference. Yeah, you know, just that is true. Just their overall schedule. So it'll be interesting to say. Uh, one more quick thing. So we were, you know, giving D'Antonio the business uh, earlier. Did you enjoy his uh, post-game comments when he was asked about the reshuffling of the offensive coaches? And he said, well, I don't think we asked those questions right now. We're yeah, seven said, like, games into the schedule. I think that's sort of a dumbass question, to be honest with you. <laughs> Which is just, like, so crazy. I mean, like, how how cocky can you possibly be? And, like, I get it that you can't answer that question, right? Like, if, if someone asks you that question in the middle of your season, you can't say, yeah, we screwed up, uh, we're going to fire our offensive coordinator tomorrow, uh, and we'll make our new hire next week. Like, you can't – you obviously can't say that. But – this is a thing that football coaches do, and it just it drives me so batty. Because Northwestern does it all the time. It's that, you know, your fans aren't stupid. 
and your boosters aren't stupid, and most of the time your AD isn't stupid. Like, people know that you fucked up, and you fucked up in a huge way. And to just shunt off all criticism is dumb is just so, so remarkable. I mean, I can't ima- I can't remember the last time a head coach screwed up their assistant coaches more than what D'Antonio did this year. Right? Like, there's there's keeping an offensive coordinator. Uh, when when Nick Saban brought in Steve Sarkeesian, I think that cost them a national so, championship. I think but that's like one coach, and that's and fair. Sark yeah, like not a whole staff. And for Sark is like as as weird as that situation was. Like you know he's got some bona fides as a coach, so it's like it's an understandable screw up. But to do this like with your whole entire offensive coaching staff, to think that it would work. And then when someone asks what was, in truth, a pretty benign question about, you know, do you think you made a mistake here? To, to call a person a dumbass is just so remarkable. I mean, just it's it's unhinged. Like, I cannot imagine being a Michigan State fan and having to hear that. I wonder if Antonio called Pat Fitzgerald before the Wisconsin Dude, game knowing notes. he was going to get routed and said, okay, what? yeah, yeah we'll see. Like, all right, how do I face the media yeah. after this game and, you know, just act as a shield for my uh, offensive staff in the same way that you Yeah, do. like I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who's the one who's giving the notes to each other, like who's following who, but they're, they've got the same exact playbook at the, at the lectern. There's no question about it. Yeah. Oh man! Well, it'll be interesting to see how D'Antonio finishes the season out. Because I mean, that that was about as discouraging yeah. a performance as you could yeah. have, I think. All right. Well, that's enough on this past week. Let's look ahead to yes. the future. Uh, this we're going to talk about the upcoming Penn State Michigan game, but first, oh, yes. there's a much, much more pressing matter to oh, address yes. here, and that's Ohio State Northwestern. Friday night in Evanston. I'm so Friday excited. I'm a little bit terrified. But I'm <laughs> very, very excited. Uh, I was at the game in 2004 when Ohio State was ranked seventh and uh, lost That's to right. Randy Walker's Northwestern Shout out team. to Brett Gazanay one time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. I was. It was not a good day at school uh, the following Monday, uh, to say the least. Uh, my my fourth grade self lives with uh, much repressed memories of that. But you know, I I I, I was in the Wildcats oh, yeah. kids club just because I was in the area, and I'd grown up going to a lot of Ohio of uh well not Ohio State game more right. Western games actually it's just because I was local, and you know, so I wasn't terribly upset about it. So I do like both of these teams obviously i prefer ohio <laughs> state but i'm in, i'm impartial to northwestern i i like them i would venture i like them a little bit more than you do and they're your yeah i was gonna arm, say which i think says a I was, lot. I, was, I, was, I was gonna say like you like two teams playing in this game i like one and it's not the team that plays purple <laughs> <laughs> well uh you know i want to believe ben I, I'm telling you, I, I think Mick McCall has something cooking here. He, this is your most deranged take. This it's is just not, so out of bounds. It is not. You know who <laughs> has the leading point total against Wisconsin this year? It's That's not right. Michigan State. It's Go not Michigan. It's Northwestern Wildcats. Goddamn right. That 
fire starter Mick McCall offense. I'm telling you what, he's had a whole bye week to prepare for these Buckeyes. He's licking oh his chops. He's going to make Chase Young look Mick like Chase said. Old. He's going to make Jordan Fuller look like Jordan Empty. He's going to make Tough Borland look like Soft Borland. He's That's coming. He's going to be running under center, turnaround, third down options on the goal line. It doesn't matter what kind of personnel Ohio State has Ill. out there. He's ready. He Shit is sucks. ready, and he's ready to silence you. The haters and all the people Duh. on Twitter that live in chagrin to Pat Fitzgerald, he is so ready to pull off the upset of the season. Can you not feel it, Ben? Can oh you not feel the, the spirit of Mick McCall just oozing through your veins? So when Northwestern completes three passes on the first drive and goes three and out, this will all be thrown out the window. Like this is this is going to be over so fast. Like Northwest, this is the biggest underdog Northwestern has ever been for quite literally twenty four years. It was the Rose Bowl season the last time they were a twenty seven point underdog, which is uh, I I don't think that's fair. It's, it's a game that that's they won by the way. Me. Yeah, but well, hey, this is going to be so wildly unfun to watch in ev- in every way possible. It's going to be a game that Northwestern has no chance of winning and Ohio State's going to win, but Northwestern's going to Northwesternify the game and it's going to make it just gross and stuck in the mud. And I'm sure they didn't cut the grass in Ryan Field, so it's going to go like up to everyone's knees, so people are going to be <laughs> slipping around and crap. Like This is going to be oh, so, so not fun to watch. I really just, just like my dad, who probably hasn't missed a game without having a damn good reason to in like 20 years, just decided like, not going, <laughs> just, just not going to go. I'm just going to watch it on TV. That's a shame. Which is a shame. He's, he's going to, he's going to miss a career performance from Mick McCall, who's going to call more than eight different plays in this game. Wow. And that's what's going to lead Northwestern to victory. Open it up to the, to the no. second and also last page of the playbook and bring out Play number eight. <laughs> How electric. He's just it's not even it's not a playbook, it's more of a pamphlet. Yeah, no. So like you know how you know quarterbacks have the, the thing on their wrist with like the names of the plays or right. whatever? That's just the entire Northwestern playbook and it's like a full diagram. <laughs> like they have everyone's route assignments just drawn up on the wristband. And it fits, it's great. Uh-huh. Well, okay. Let's let's try to get at least one serious point in about yes. this game. I guess. How do you how do you think Northwestern's defense matches? Assu- assuming mm. that the offense can stay on the field for more than three right. plays at a time, how do you think that their defense stacks up with Ohio State? So offense? Northwestern's defense is extremely good, and I don't expect J.K. Dobbins to have a fun time. I do think Northwestern's going to be able to bottle him up. The one thing that you know, every once in a while it shows up for Northwestern, and there's not a whole lot of chances for it to show up because he's playing the Big Ten West, is a true dual-threat quarterback tends to get to a Mike Hankwitz defense. Like That's kind of the, the big miss in it, is that you know, a guy who can actually hurt you with his feet and who can actually hurt you with his arm, those guys tend to tend to have a lot of fun against Northwestern. So I don't think there's a chance that Northwestern can keep fields contained. I think that they'll be able to bottle up Dobbins pretty well. Um, To me, the kind of most interesting storyline from this game is that, you know, you have two five-star transfer quarterbacks playing against each other in Justin Fields and Hunter Johnson. 
And, you know, one of them is a Heisman candidate and one of them is an or on the depth chart with Aiden Smith, <laughs> which is just like, you know, such a, a change of fortunes. And, you know, Pat Fitzgerald was talking about it before the game and he's basically said, like, you, know, you can't compare these situations between Johnson and Fields at all, which is just straight up not true. You absolutely can do that. And, you know, Fields found a perfect situation and Johnson found the worst situation possible. And, you know, when Fields goes off and throws for 300 and runs for 100 more and Johnson plays 30% of the snaps, like that's just going to get it even more crystallized uh, that basically Hunter Johnson made a bad call in coming to Evanston. I will say I think Dobbins is probably going to be a little more effective than uh, you are going to, or you're giving him credit for just because the Michigan State game, one of the big th- reasons Ohio State won was because they – there, one of the things that I love that Ryan Day has done is that he's he's done a very good job of keeping Urban Meyer's running style in terms of having those spread read options, but also incorporating a lot of different power um, power schemes, uh, a lot of pulling of the linemen. They all they did almost no pulling against Michigan State because they recognized how good Michigan State's defense was and how savvy the linebackers were. I understand Northwestern has a great defense, but I don't think that they have that same kind of talent level that Michigan State does. And I think, and on a lot of the big plays that Ohio State has had outside of the Michigan State game this year, a lot of them have come on power concept runs. And I think that when you see that element of the offense come back, uh, which I'm sure is something that they worked on re-implementing in the bye week, uh, you're going to see Dobbins be able to spring some big games. So maybe not, you know, one of these Herculean 170-plus yard performances right. in the first half we've seen from him, but I would still expect him to get 100 yards rushing uh, yeah, so, at least. You know, I don't know if he's going to be the reason. It's a different offense than what Ohio State ran last year in 800,000 ways. But, you know, last year Dobbins and Weber combined 34 carries for 119 yards in a Big Ten championship game which is a pretty good effort. That's a pretty darn good effort by Northwestern to keep those guys bottled up. And there are more interesting run concepts in the Ohio State offense this year. But, you know, it's in, Northwestern's defense is basically the same. It's almost entirely the same in the front seven. Um, so I don't, that's not the part of it that concerns me. The, definitely the part of it that concerns me is athletes in space and Justin Fields, who will be an athlete in a lot of space. Like, I don't think Northwestern <laughs> has an answer for that. If Ohio State wants to try and win basically inside the box, I think that's going to keep Northwestern in the game. But if they let their athletes be athletes, I don't think they're game for very long. Well, they use a lot of the running to set up play right. action, which I think is probably where they're going to beat Ohio or excuse me, beat yeah, Northwestern sure. um, is setting up those big plays for mm-hmm. the receivers. So uh, to your point, there's going to be space for them if they, you know, give the impression that they're trying to keep the game in the box, which is kind of what they did against uh, Indiana and some other teams that they played. They spring those big plays, and I think that's what puts the game away yeah. early for them. So, uh, with predictions, um, oh, I, I almost hesitate to ask Ben because I feel like it'll almost paint for you to say it, but you you got to give me a final score here. What, how do you think it's going to end uh, up? The... Um. I don't know, somewhere between, like, I'll go, like, 35-3 to Ohio State. Oh, wow. No tutties. There's no way Northwestern gets a touchdown in this game. There's zero chance. (laughs) 
There's no, no way. way. I mean, maybe wow. they get one of those garbage time touchdowns like Drake Anderson's gotten a couple times this year. But no, not in like a competitive series will Northwestern get to the end zone. There's just no chance. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the same score from the Michigan State game. I think it's thirty four. That'd be a great showing for Northwestern. That would rock. They'll probably end up fabricating some kind of garbage time touchdown, but I do think that, you know, we're thinking along the same lines here in terms of you're looking at around four or five touchdowns for Ohio State. Um Pretty consistent offensive performance, I would say. Uh, I just hope that they take care of the ball, uh, limit the mistakes, uh, don't give a ton of uh, film for their upcoming opponents. They'll be playing Wisconsin pretty soon here. Um, otherwise, October is kind of you know soft for them now that they're past the Michigan State game. Uh, so I, I'd say about 34-10. I don't know if it's going to appear as dominant a performance as that. I mean, they were – pretty thorough control of that Michigan State game for most of it. Pat Fitzgerald has a weird tendency to keep games closer than they really feel like they should be. Um, so I, I'd say that this game probably falls inside yeah. that narrative. Um, but I'm sorry, <laughs> Ben. I, I, wanted, I wanted yeah. you and your family to have no. faith in this performance and want to come out. But it's, I don't know, Friday night in Evanston, uh Seems like it's probably going to be a oh, single God, yeah. home game for Ohio yeah. State as it usually is, and uh, yeah, I don't know how much that's going to help the uh, yeah. So you know, purple and white. Ohio State so. sees mismatches of this kind of caliber all of the time. Uh, this is the first time, genuinely, since I've followed Northwestern, which is twenty years and change, that they have been this outclassed. Like they've never played an actual national title contender slash favorite since I've played, since I've watched them, which that in itself is going to be interesting. Uh, And it's always, it'll be interesting to see how Northwestern's game plan of basically drag it into overtime and see what happens works against a team this good. Cause there's a chance that it can fall, fall apart catastrophically. Uh, But man, just it's Friday night, go have fun. Just watch the replay. Don't, don't watch (laughs) the game live. It won't be good. I, I, I do think there was that I, – I went to the game, um, I believe – it was one of the years Ohio State went to the national title, and they, they played Northwestern, and I think they beat yeah, them 56-14. Like I can't remember who the quarterback was. I remember Beanie Wells was the running back, but I can't I, – I, the quarterback was either Tri Smith – yeah, Tri. Yeah. Troy Smith or someone else, but yeah, I can't Yeah, you all ran a fake punt the second half of that so game. I think – I was not happy. <laughs> Oh, so now, now it's coming unrepressed. The memories are getting unzipped. I was getting I was very mad about that. <laughs> Is there any chance we see the gothic uniforms Friday night? Oh damn. I, I wonder if Northwestern's um released their their jersey combo yet. There's a chance that they have. It's Friday night under the lights, man. There's got to be something going on. Oh, I'm sure that there is. I I wonder what it would be. Um, do they even still have the gothic alternates? They do. It's uh, yeah, that's what they're gonna wear. Yeah, good I call. It is? They are gonna wear the gothics. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I cannot wait. Yeah, it's so, gonna, it's appropriate because it's gonna be very grim. Um, yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Northwestern, of course, tweeted out that they're wearing the gothic uh, uniforms with the tweet: "Do not go gentle into that good night." Mm. 
No, come on. Which is what someone who tw- that's what someone who is about to go gentle into the good night would tweet. Guess what, so. man? Mick McCall is going to rage, rage against the dying of the light. It's happening. God, that'd be, oh, not, <laughs> not letting myself think about it. It's just healthier. It's healthier right. to be in this headspace. Okay, well, let's let's get you out of that headspace then. Uh, let's move on to Michigan Penn State. Let's do a quick preview of this game, and then yes. uh, we'll we'll call it a show. Uh, so Penn State, not not a fun back to back to have here. Uh, yeah. Go to Iowa and you know have a pretty gritty a gritty game, albeit one that they controlled I think pretty handily for the most part. And then you get to host Michigan. Uh, a lot of Michigan, uh, a lot of their you know times where they've looked most impressive this year have come at home. They obviously got taken out behind the woodshed uh, against Wisconsin, which was a noon uh, road game. This is going to be a road yep. game for the Wolverines. It's also the primetime ABC game this game week at 7.30. So Whiteout will be on. Nighttime in Happy Valley, which, you know, Happy Valley at night's really closer to Death Valley than Hello. anything else. Hello. Um, yeah. So, Ben. Yes. Um, how does Michigan win this game? For, well, first of all, let's say this. I think this is a must win for Michigan because mm. if they don't win this, then I, th- you know, there's still an outside chance that they could end up winning the Big Ten East. Mm. But this is obviously the, the team that they need to go through to do it other than Ohio yep. State. Um, so do you think that that desperation is going to give them a little bit of an edge in this game or that they're going to come out and maybe look a little bit more impressive knowing that their goals hang in mm-hmm. the balance with the result? Yeah, here? man, you got to ask Shea Patterson. That's ultimately what this game comes down to um, is how he responds to the atmosphere and how he responds to what's been a pretty terrible season thus far. Uh, it's it's going to be a tough place to get going. I mean, like you said, there aren't many groups of people much louder than Penn State. You know, Michigan's a quiet 100,000. I don't think anyone's ever said that about Penn State. And it'll be a whiteout, and it'll be game day. I mean, that's a pretty intimidating atmosphere. Uh, man, I mean, it's it's a really tough ask for Michigan. This is ultimately, if you think Michigan is going to win this game, it's because they're going to somehow tap into what they had at stages last year and what they are yet to show this year, which is a somewhat explosive offense with some playmakers on the edge, uh, and you get to add Charbonnet into the mix this year. But tough, tough ask for Michigan. They're nine-point underdogs in this game. I mean, I, I really think that this is Penn State's to lose. Um, I Gosh, it's really, really tough place to go and get a must-win game. I will game. say this in Michigan's favor. We, we talked about the Iowa game last week earlier, and – uh, although Iowa, it felt like the only time they were really having offensive success was when they were throwing jump balls up down the field. They they came down with a pretty decent amount of them, and I think that's kind of a reflection on Michigan on uh, Penn State's secondary um, that they were able to do that. When we've seen Michigan be successful on offense this year, it's been when they're throwing these jump balls up to Donovan or yeah. Uh, people, yeah, I don't know, Peoples-Jones and Collins. So I think that yep. if Shea is at least reasonably accurate with these deep balls, Michigan State's receivers are probably going to be able to make plays on contested catches. And I think that combined with the fact that Penn State has had a tendency to start slow, which they did again against Iowa, that could put them in a position where they're able to pull one over on Penn State. 
Mm-hmm. You don't agree? Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> no, no. I mean I think like that's you know when your when your way to win is winning jump balls, it's probably going to be a pretty tough way to win. Yeah, no, that's fair. But you know, I I think that it it can swing the balance in the way a game looks dramatically when they're going to be low scoring in the way that I think that yeah. we think this one. Yes, yeah, so but that's pan a really. Out. Yeah, so that's that's the good point is that Michigan has these playmakers on the edge who they just can't unlock yet. And if this is the game where it happens, and surely one time this year it will, then they can absolutely go and win this game. And like Penn State showed last week, it's an offense that can get stuck in the mud. And I don't think Iowa has the defense that Michigan has. So if they can get a, a somewhat near healthy Donovan Peoples-Jones and Tariq Black and Shea Patterson can wake up from whatever slumber or illness he's been in all year, then then this would be a fun team. And this could be a game that they would win. But ultimately, that's what we've been waiting for for six games with Michigan. And it just doesn't seem to be there. So, you know, why would I expect it to show up now, I guess, is you know, as someone who started super optimistic on Michigan and has kind of resigned themselves to just not happening this year. uh, That's my hesitancy. And that's why I think that it's a game that Penn state can kind of take control of and not give it back. Yeah. I I think if we see Dylan McCaffrey, uh, then that's a pretty good indication that Penn state's going to run away with this. Um, So flipping it around a little bit, uh, we saw Sean Clifford do the kind of game manager thing against Iowa's defense, which is stout. I don't know if it's at the ranking of elite that you would put uh, Ohio State's and certainly Wisconsin's and uh, Michigan State's this season, but it's still stout. Michigan's got obviously a a solid defense. Um, Do you think Clifford – being a game manager in this game is going to be enough for them to eke out a win, or do you think he's going to have to raise his level of play a little bit? Yeah, he's going to have to give them a little bit more than what they got against Iowa. Uh, and, you know, I mean, there's a chance that the way that that happens is just by, you know, getting the ball to KJ Hamlin on a screen and letting him run 90 yards into the end zone. But they're going to need some chunk plays to come in the passing game. Like, I don't think this is a game that – you know, you can run the ball for four yards on first down and run the ball for three yards on second down and run the ball for three yards on third down and just keep moving the chains down the field, and that's going to be enough to do it. They're going to have to hit a shot. They're going to have to take the top off the defense at least one time, surely, just to keep that defense off and uh, uh, deep honest. And that's what Clifford's going to have to do. You know, there's obviously the stuff that you always have to do, which is, you know, keep, keep care of the ball, don't make dumb turnovers, don't make dumb mistakes, make the right reads. But there's going to have to be at least a little bit extra because, you know, Michigan does still have a really good defense. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they handle the pressure, too, because um, we know Michigan State obviously can bring in a little bit more than I think Iowa could. But Iowa, I think, in the early stages of their game last week still had pretty decent or they did a, a fairly decent job of getting pressure on Clifford. And I think that's what frustrated their offense early on. So I think if Michigan's yeah. able to get a similar level of pass rush, you're going to definitely have to see Clifford do more than just, you know, keep the ball safe and, you know, get it to the right guys within, you know, 10 yards of the line of scrimmage in order to eat the game. Uh-huh. So I don't, you know, other than Handler, I don't know how much big playability is there um, against uh, stout defenses. So this will definitely be a very telling game, I think, for both teams. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. 
And, you know, like, let's not forget that Penn State is, as a program, has had a little bit of trouble getting, you know, that win. You know, that win that can get you over the top. And this game isn't that game, but it's the game that lets you have a game that would be that game. Like, this is a, this is a huge, huge game for Penn State. Uh, there is, for as much pressure as there is on Michigan going into a really hostile environment and trying to come out with a win, there's every bit as much pressure on Penn State to get this done. Because, yeah, this is a team that sees themselves as an actual uh, contender, an actual challenger to Ohio State. And people who are on that level go and win this game. Like, there's going to be a lot of internal pressure on them to get it done. I think, yeah. I, I still think that for Michigan, this is a do or die thing. And I think that they are going to come in with a much higher sense of urgency because of that. Um, Penn State, I don't necessarily think they're looking ahead here. I mean, they've got at Michigan State the following weekend. Right. And um, then I believe they're on by uh, for the first weekend in November. And then they've got at Minnesota and uh they'll have the Ohio state game later in November. So there's, I, I would say that there's definitely some bigger games for them on the horizon. Um, not necessarily the Minnesota game over this game, but you know, just the fact that this is at home, I think makes it a little bit more comforting for them. And they probably feel like they should and will win versus Michigan is saying we need, you know, if we're going to do just more than salvage this season, if we're going to really effectively write the ship, you know, we got off the mat the last few weeks um, definitely had a bit more of a hiccup than they wanted against Illinois this past weekend. But if they're going to effectively claim that they are back in contention for the Big Ten title, yep. this is the game that they're going to have to win. So with yep. that being said, final score predictions, Ben. What do you think about for this one? Uh, like Penn State 23, Michigan 13. Wow. I was thinking something similar. Uh, I, in fact, I was thinking the exact same score, which is kind of <laughs> appling, frankly, Penn state, Got the wizard brain going. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think, you know, there'll be a couple jump ball opportunities that get Michigan into the red zone and ultimately don't really result in anything as Penn state's able to, you know, kind of condense, uh, the field and the amount of space they need to cover. And, uh, that'll, you know, hopefully, give them a little bit of an easier time in terms of uh, not having to account for the uh, back half. But I would still expect Penn State to control the script of this game. I haven't seen enough from the other elements of Michigan's offense to tell me that they're going to be able to effectively navigate Penn State's defense. I think Penn State goes up early. I think it's a little bit of a close game at halftime, but I think Penn State effectively controls the pace in the second half and ultimately puts this thing away. Sounds about right. Both believers in Penn State. That being said, I won't be shocked if Michigan wins because I know that Harbaugh is very much – having to look at this game as if we're going to be more than just a disappointment this year. This is where we turn it around. And Penn State, Michigan have had some very interesting yeah. matchups and, in you know, recent James, years. James Franklin in a big game is not exactly the safest of all bets. Not That's at all. Fair to say. Frames Janklin, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Uh, and you're hearing right. it. You're hearing it more right. and more. Well, that's that's about it in terms of uh, our topics this week. Uh, there's a few other matchups this weekend. Ben, you have any thoughts on any of these other games for the uh, October 19th slate? Uh, 
I want to. I want to see Rutgers get shut out by Minnesota at home. Yeah, really, really badly. I want to see that. But no, I mean, there's there's part of me was about to say like Indiana Maryland could be interesting, but like you know, come on, man. I, I couldn't get that out with a straight face. I, I want to see how, how bad it gets for Rutgers. I mean, this is in danger of being one of the worst college football teams we've seen in a very long time at anything close to the conference level that they have to play in. And, you know, them getting another, like, 40-piece in a shutout at home to a bad Minnesota team, that could be fun to watch in its own way. Well, I wasn't thinking about Wisconsin-Illinois as a potential shutout game, um, but you've somewhat convinced me, and now I, I'm going to be very, very nervous if they end up pulling that off. So that's a game that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Uh, it's in the noon slot, so not doesn't look like there's uh, too much contention they're in gonna terms be like, of other stuff to watch. There's going to be like six points scored this week in the Big Ten. <laughs> Everyone's going to win their game like 3 nothing. It's going to be just slop. I don't know. Purdue at Iowa, I feel like that'll be more than a 3 nothing game. Uh, but I don't know. Based on what we've seen from Iowa's offensive late, I mean, yeah. they could very well struggle against Purdue's defense. Yeah. Which would be there are going to be a first. lot of low scores. I mean, um, whether the whole game ends up being low scoring or whether it's just one team getting you know shut out, it's going to be some single digits to be found in the Big Ten this week. What a conference. In the same – in the same way you're into uh, Rutgers shame porn, I think I'm in the same boat with Maryland at this point, and I would love to see Indiana just go in and blow would the doors tight. off them in D.C. That would be just absolutely wonderful. Knock the turtles yeah. over on their shells. Um, but, yeah, other than that, Michigan and Penn State, folks, that's that's the game to watch. It's at 730 on ABC this weekend. And uh, other than that, you know, tune in for that Ohio State Northwestern uh, Mick McCall upset on Stop. Friday night. But, Stop you know, it. further than that, it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of a pedestrian weekend. But even so, I uh, want to thank you guys for listening. And we will certainly be back next week to uh, recap everything that's going to happen this coming weekend and give you a nice little preview for what's going to be the weekend of October 26th, which features the cross-conference game of the year in the Big Ten, Wisconsin at Ohio State. It's going to be a hell of a time. Please come back next week. 